previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. You know that that um, you know average folks are just a lot of times they're probably going to say, you know, they'll look at that Maleficent movie and say, uh, I saw the first one. How instead of how wonderful, how redundant, <laughs> and they'll you know they'll probably say, you know, I might stay on my couch and watch the Breaking Bad thing or uh, Irishman's coming on Netflix or Dolomite. Dolomite, Eddie Murphy's coming on Netflix. At the movies. With Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. A cast of thousands. Where are they? They're not in here with us. It begins right now. Uh, and, and yes, I am Lou Katz, form, uh, former legendary Washington, D.C. radio a voice. What a radio voice. <laughs> what a got. voice. I, I tell you, if I could have a voice like yours. And uh, I invite you to join in right now for yet another chapter. It's yes. another one of that again? pathetic end <laughs> uh, to a mediocre career of Mr. Arch it, Campbell. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Lou. Thank you for that that wonderful, that stirring yes. introduction. Oh, yes, of the course. The pathetic end of a mediocre career. I'll tell you who's not having anything pathetic is yeah. the Washington Nationals when it comes to baseball. I'm telling you. Incredible. Uh, we are in Washington, D.C., or we're close to Washington, D.C. You know, we're in a bunker mm-hmm. buried beneath Bethesda, <laughs> Maryland. But our town is nuts for the World Series, and the Nats uh, got in. And it's the Nats versus the Astros. Unbelievable series so far. And and now, uh, as we tape this, they are halfway there, and uh, and I think... I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win the World Series. I think they're going to sweep it. I think they're going to do all four in a row Mm -hmm. and be done. There's uh, a home game Friday night, and I think a home game Saturday night. Yeah, that's uh, great. So hopefully by the time you're hearing this, you're probably drunk in Georgetown someplace right now <laughs> celebrating the, the Nets winning from the World Series. <laughs> or hanging somewhere. It's, just, it's unbelievable. You know, if it, the the, uh, the opponents came down to the Astros or the Yankees, if it had been the Yankees versus the Washington team, that would have resonated with the plot of Damn Yankees. Baseball musical. Oh, that's right, a, a musical, that's right. guy makes a deal with the devil and wins the World Series for the Washington Senators. And uh, But instead, it's uh, uh, Houston versus Washington. And, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's just a great time to live in D.C. And in between the games, maybe a great time to, to pick up and look at one of the uh, past baseball movies. There are so many great baseball movies really that have are. been released out over the years. What's one of your favorites? Uh, you know, the, the one that really gets to me is Field of Dreams. Every time I see Field of Dreams, yeah. when it comes down on cable, I start watching. I say, oh, well, I'll watch for 15 minutes. I remember this. And I can't stop watching it. That's that's a wonderful movie and a league of their own. Right, very. And then funny, of course but, you have Bull Durham. Oh, that was a great one. Right. What's I, your favorite? I really like Tom Hanks and Madonna. Uh huh. In League of Their in, Own. In league of Their Own. I thought it was a great movie. And Field of Dreams too. As a matter of fact, if you watch, uh, been watching all the uh, World Series action, you're seeing uh, Progressive Auto Insurance doing a take. One of really? their TV ads wow. is a take on they walk out of the cornfields and they're doing this whole bit. Obviously, I have been it. to okay. Dyersville, Iowa, where the field is. And it's still there, right? It, now, for a while, uh, it was just half a field because it was uh, cut out of two different people's uh, field. And uh, then they bought the other half. So it's a full field again. At least that's what I think I understand. It's got to be a huge tourist, tourist oh, place. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Um, some, some baseball so, movies to watch 
in between the series and i'm thinking of the natural too with redford oh my god yeah that was uh that's so many good baseball movies so so go nats go uh a lot to talk about this week a lot of new movies this week a very creative comedy titled jojo rabbit opens this week it's the story of a young boy in the final weeks of Nazi Germany, preparing to join the Nazi youth. He's 10 years old, and he has an imaginary friend. His imaginary friend is Hitler. (laughs) There's a kid (laughs) who plays uh, him named Roman Griffin Davis, and he just, he carries the movie. He's just delightful. Uh, Scarlett Johansson plays his mother. He discovers that she is working for the resistance and that she has hidden a teenage Jewish girl in their attic that goes from comic to serious. Uh, it's got a nice message. Uh, it it threads that needle between comedy and tragedy. The name of the movie is Jojo Rabbit, uh, and I'm giving it three and a half stars. Wow, three and a half barks on that one. Huh? Awfully good. Wow. Uh, there's another movie opening this week, The Current War, which is the story of uh, Thomas Edison's fight with George Westinghouse over the standard for electricity. Should it be AC or DC? Oh, really a napper. A real napper. Oh, excuse me. It looks great. It's a history lesson. Right. It's got Michael Shannon as Westinghouse and Benedict Cumberbatch as Thomas Edison. But, uh... So they, did they turn out the electricity during the, during the movie? No, they wouldn't have made a difference, they right? Managed to keep the power on that one. Right. I, you know, it's great men of history. Mm. Uh, How many barks and stars uh, did you give that one? You know, maybe two, two yes. weak ones. All right. Yeah, you know, and there's another movie that opened last week called Parasite that I just caught up with. A Korean director made it. South Korean. Uh, it's the story of kind of a Khan family in Korea, and they worm their way into the lives and household of an uber wealthy Korean family. And it starts out a very funny, kind of a comedy. You think, oh, these people are conning the rich people, and the rich people are kind of dumb as a post. <laughs> and and then they uncover a mystery. And then it gets serious. And then it goes off the rails. And uh, it is one of the most interesting movies of uh, the season. No so kidding. Parasite. Parasite. So that's three and a half stars. So so I got uh, two good out of three. Okay. Two out of three. Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. That's very creative. Parasite, I think you're going to hear a lot about. And uh, the current war. Keep the current off. <laughs> Keep hey, the, cut the current. Just pay your electric bill and get on with it. Oh, hey, this weekend I attended the Middleburg Film Festival, and I, I too, I am exhausted. All we did was we went out to Middleburg for three days and watch movies. I think I saw eight movies in three days. Hmm. It started seven years ago, and now has a reputation as one of the most important stops. On the road to the Oscars. Last year, Green Book won a standing ovation and went on to win the Oscar. Uh, Well, a dear friend of mine, Susan Wazena, is going to join us now. She uh, was the lead uh, reviewer for USA Today for many years, and now she writes for Gold Derby, 
which is the website that charts uh, awards. So uh, let's bring Susan Wazena in and see what she thinks of Middleburg this year. Well, they had um, some of the more notable films that right now are on our charts. It's sort of like fancy football for people who love showbiz <laughs> awards, right? right. So um, we have a combined, like we have like over 3,000 people predicting right now for best picture, and a lot of the films that were at the festival are on there. So, but it's interesting because right now a movie that I think started the whole award season in summer, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is right now on top. However, the three and a half hour The Irishman, which you and I both saw, yes, on chairs that weren't those comfy ones in most theaters now, but were you know something you would sit on in a banquet room. Um, we saw The Irishman, and it, it's. It's number two now, and, and oh. yeah, and and both of these films have been on top for a while. Well, now, what what's your impression of The Irishman, if you don't mind? It's not Goodfellas. That's it's a far cry. Or The Wolf of Wall Street, which, you know, had all that snap, crackle, pop stuff going on with um, Martin Scorsese. It's a very somber film, and in the center of it is Robert De Niro's This Hitman, who doesn't really have a sense of what he's doing is wrong in any way. He has no regrets. He just does his job, and he does it well, and it's pretty, you know, violent. <laughs> he, he plays uh, Jimmy Hoffa's um, uh, bodyguard, I guess, and Hoffa, of course, is Al Pacino. Right, and he's the most, I think, if anyone's going to maybe win an Oscar acting-wise for this, I think... It's Pacino, because he comes in a little ways into the movie and sort of sparks the, the action a little bit more. He's more of a character. Is that how it's tracking on uh, Gold Derby? Yeah, he's um, in there. But I did like that Joe Pesci actually got a role where it was more reflective, too. He's not someone who is always, you know, the way he is in Goodfellas, where he just, you know, is a lot, you know, he, he he has a short fuse and he likes to, you know. Now, this may surprise you, but I walked away uh, pretty impressed with De Niro, especially the last 20% of the movie where he's an old man going to a wheelchair, sort of maybe admitting or uh, taking responsibility for what he did, but not quite, kind of that battle. I don't think he ever thought he was doing anything wrong. He was doing his job and doing it well. And I think the damage he created through his life and the hurt for his loved ones and anyone else who was in the path that he was designated to, you know, put a hit on, I mean... I don't think he had much reflection. He couldn't even give his confession well to the priest. So I think he's someone who just didn't know really. I mean, he just did what he was. He felt he was meant to do. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a different kind of performance. And it, it's, you know, I sat next to someone who was 22 years old, and they didn't get it at all. Oh, really? Okay, I think someone of our age group might yeah. appreciate it more, but it's long. I mean, it's really long. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, 
Do you think it had been a better movie if it had been like two hours and 15 minutes instead of three hours and a half? I, I think it could have. But, you know, it's Netflix, and that's one thing that might work against it because, you know, no streaming film has yet to win the Oscar. Roma couldn't do it last year. Yeah, they thought Roma would, and and if anything could have, I think it would have been Roma. The movie I saw that most impressed me, and this has a problem with Best Picture, too. Right now it's ranked five on our Best Picture chart is Parasite. And it sounds like a horror movie, and it is a little bit, but it really is this South Korean director. It's Bong Joon-ho. Anyway, he's great. He did Snowpiercer, which I love, too. And this is him. This is somebody at the top of his craft. And it's surprising. It reflects clash of classes, you know, in society. It's amusing, but it's also, it gets you in your heart as well. Well, it's that new kind of movie that mix of horror film that mixes comedy with uh, with horror, uh, sort of like Get Out and, and uh, a few others. But I think this is even better, but here's the one problem with it. It's South Korea's... Best foreign film. Film, and that's what happened to Roma because it won that, Roma did, without winning Best Picture, even though it got Best Director. Would Parasite qualify as a Best Picture, period? It should, and it is, but it's just this weird kind of thing. If It's rare when the Best Foreign Language Film wins also Best Picture, so, yeah. Now, I walked away most impressed with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which got a standing ovation. Well, I like that. Too, but here's the thing. It's sort of, I mean, there is violence in that, too. Right, yeah. But I think maybe nice doesn't work as well right now. I mean, we got, you know, a lot of kind of angry movies out there. Even Marriage Story, which is about oh. a divorce, has anger. and Marriage Story, I just felt like somebody took a bat and hit me over the head, and I walked out hating it. Oh, okay. We should explain A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, but he is a supporting character uh, in a friendship with a journalist who the journalist is having trouble with his own family and his relationship with his father. And so it's that sort of uh, Mr. Rogers helping against award. The audience award in Middleburg went to two popes. Right, and that surprised me too. But again, yeah, I don't know why they didn't know you, you when you're, when you're at a film festival people always do standing ovations especially yeah. when talent is there right. from the movie but that's not, what i loved about the movies they used the techniques of the show itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and integrated it into but in that uh kind of silly way but in a very you know honest the little yep. models he had of the yeah. village become uh, Pittsburgh and New York. And, right. Uh, and it, it was uh, really effective. Right. Uh, and I do like, it's Muriel Heller who did Can You Ever Forgive Me last year. I think she's a great. Which was a terrific movie. Yeah. And with, she just gets something. I mean, she's a good storyteller, but also she knows how to use emotion to, you know, to make us feel something for these characters, even if they're not always the nicest people in the world. Well, is the two popes a, an Oscar contender? 
Well, it's a little down there. I think um, it's just there's a lot of Netflix movies this year. So. Well, there were a lot of Netflix at the uh, at the Middleburg Festival. Right, that's what I'm saying. So this is one of them. I think maybe um, the actors are the best chance for that because right now it's sitting at 13. What we haven't seen yet, Oscar Wise, is Bombshell. It, it was shown in L.A. and New York mm-hmm. recently. That's and the one they on Fox uh, News. Right, the sex scandal, uh, mm-hmm. sex abuse scandal. And also, um, 1917 right now, it's a war film that is shot by Sam Mendes, who did American Beauty. Yeah. And uh, that is meant to look like one take through mm-hmm. the trenches of World War One, so that mm-hmm. that's sort of interesting. And Little Women is just showing now too. So, but the one you know I'm interested in mostly is Joker because I don't know about you, I actually liked it. <laughs> and there, you know, there's a certain pushback to Joker, as you mentioned earlier, that uh, you know, um, nice is. Is not, nice is a tough sell, and is Joker is the opposite of Joker is about as unnice as you can get. Right, and I think um, what I like, and you, you know, I like when people discuss movies and have disagreements mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that makes it mean something. I mean, the fact that people will you know go out of their way and not just walk out of the theater and go that was okay, you know. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I think um, I like that people are having something to say about a movie and disagreeing or agreeing and seeing it in different ways and interpreting it, it like that because that makes it exciting. And really, the first half of the year, there wasn't much that no, no. got me going. I mean, I kind of like Rocket Man, but, you know, it's still... It was that performance more than the movie itself. Blinded by the light, I kind of remembered yeah. that one, but that that was late in the year. Since you are tracking awards, let me ask you about the chances for two other films. Okay. Uh, and the first is Judy. Have we forgotten about Judy? Renee well, Zellweger as no, Judy Garland. No, we haven't because she's going to pretty much win the um, Best Actress Award because. It's a very shallow category. Like, we have 62 supporting actors listed that you could pick mm-hmm. on our site. There's only 26 um, lead actresses mm. in the race. So, and this is such a, okay, she has a comeback tale to tell, like Eddie Murphy uh-huh. does. Uh-huh. And Joe Pesci came out of retirement to be in The Irishman, and it's a very more, you know, serious role for him. He doesn't spout off and get hot-headed or anything. It's very different than what he's in in many of his, um, like Casino or Goodfellas or something. And it's nice to see him, you know, perform that way in a different, you know, mode. And there's a movie opening this week, Jojo Rabbit, a comedy about a 10-year-old kid who joins the Nazi youth and, uh, chooses Hitler as his imaginary friend. And uh, I thought it had a pretty good uh, response out at Middleburg. Right. I think regular audiences, I think critics have been overthinking it because really we've seen the producers. Don't get all up 
in arms that, you know, people are laughing at Nazis. All right? mm-hmm. so, it's better you laugh at them than join them. So. <laughs> and I think, you know, it, it's, it's probably, it, it could have been better somehow, just a little bit, because I think by the end you're kind of, the mood changes and it doesn't work quite as well when he gets serious about things because then you have, you know, Sam Rockwell wearing eyeshadow and stuff. So I don't know. You know, it's kind of a a weird mix, but I think it's well worth seeing because it's, it's different. I mean, there's something there that, you know, he's, he's pushing the envelope a little bit more as far as, what is entertainment, and I like that. So I'm getting the feeling from you that maybe we have not seen the movie that will win Best Film this year yet. Well, I do think, I mean, this has been going on for a while, ever since Once Upon a Time Mm -hmm. opened in in, um, late July, but I I do think it's going to come down with two, you know, you have Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese, you know, basically doing what they do the best, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the actors involved and everything, I mean, I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt's going to win supporting actor Mm -hmm. for Once Upon a Time. But, you know, not everything is out there yet, so we'll have to see. But another one from earlier in the year was The Farewell. Oh, yeah. In there. I hope that's not forgotten because I right. thought that was a uh, terrific movie, and thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, and then at Milburgh, we did, I don't know if you saw it, but Ford versus Ferrari was kind of, it's like red meat for straight males, basically. <laughs> Lou, Lou Katz cannot wait to oh, see. I, I'm Ford like dying versus... to see that one. Yeah. I'm just a car guy. I love that stuff. Yeah. Well, Christian Bale's terrific, and Matt Damon is the more, you know, calm, level-headed one who keeps him from killing himself. Lou is going to rev up his Porsche and race over to the theater (laughs) to see that. I'm on my way. (laughs) But I think, um, yeah, there were a few I didn't think quite work, like Waves was maybe half a good movie, and other things tried hard, but... uh, yeah, it, I mean, Milburgh is great for people like us. You don't have to go to Toronto anymore to see all these films at the festival there. You can go, it's only 45 minutes from my house, and right. I can sleep in my own bed. So thank God for Sheila Johnson, because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, she, she does all a big favor who care about, you know, these things and, and want to be, you know, on top of what is in contention and all that, because it's made it much easier for me. And beautiful surroundings. Yes, yes, they are. Well, it is a great world-class film festival, and we're lucky to have it in D.C. And we're lucky, I'm lucky to have you to speak to. I always like uh, hearing your thoughts. Well, uh, I always love hearing your laugh in the audience. <laughs> I can hear it anywhere. It's like a dog whistling. I just go, woof, woof. It's very good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Susan, we'll be following you on Gold Derby, and I hope to speak with you again as we get closer to awards time, and it's just always uh, wonderful to uh, catch up with you. Well, it's better to talk about this sometimes than all the celebrities we've lost. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> to, to, uh, the, this year and all that because it's, this is uh, this is what I thrive on. I love debating these things with people, especially smart people like you guys. Well. You're the greatest, and uh, we'll follow you on uh, goldderby.com. That's and, what it is. And uh, come back again soon, dear. Okay, anytime. You are listening to At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz mm. and a cast of unpaid thousands. <laughs> we yes. come, yeah, we come Where are to, we? Exactly. We, we come to you from the worldwide headquarters mm. of the Katz Podcasting System. In studios located in an underground bunker buried deep beneath <laughs> Bethesda, Maryland. This is the Cats Podcasting System. We still have an email address, right? We what do. Is our we address? actually have a, a yes. couple to reach us at. Mm-hmm. That's arch at houndradio.com yeah. or lou, L O O. Also at houndradio.com. And mm-hmm. please uh, send us a note because the servers are got plenty of space. <laughs> Unlike Hillary's, we have plenty of space on right. our server. <laughs> and uh, let's see, we're affiliated with Hound Radio, are we not? Uh, we are, absolutely. Hound what Radio. Is Hound Radio. Hound Radio is an adult contemporary music uh, internet radio station. With music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, even like today. the best days of Wash yeah, FM. Back in Wash's heyday, like long, Wash's long, long time ago. On, when know, I was on it. When you, well, you were on there for yeah, years. When they paid me <laughs> to talk to you. <laughs> when they paid me, too. That, that abruptly stopped. Yeah, anyway, uh, it, we hope you'll check it out. Uh, houndradio.com, and we also have a mobile app that you can get for your uh, Apple or uh, Android phones, too. Any uh, promotions coming up on Hound Radio? You give away movie tickets, we, right? We, a lot, lot, we, mm-hmm. we give away a yeah. lot of movie tickets. In fact, we're hoping to have tickets to uh, Ford versus... Uh, really? Ford versus Ferrari? Ford versus Ferrari. That, and, is, that is a widely talked about movie. And then there's, I think, The Last Christmas. It's a Christmas... What, have you heard Last of Last Christmas, yeah. Uh, that one, yeah. too, I think That's we're going to... We're so, so, comedy, so, so watch your email for an email blast and uh, listening to Hound Radio to find out how you can join us for more free movie screenings. Oh, and let me plug myself. I review movies on Hound Radio every Friday morning with you, Lou. You're listening to At The Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. I got a couple of shout-outs I want to make real quick. One is I want to mention Bill Macy. Do you remember him? He played the husband on Maud. Oh, yes, I do. Bill Macy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 97 years old and passed away this week. Uh, was uh, quite a good actor and um, made some movies, too. Hmm, had no idea. One of his favorite films for me is he plays a comedy writer in My Favorite Year. You remember My Favorite Year? Barely. But the guy, uh, basically based on um, your show of shows, a TV show in the 50s. Uh, anyway, uh, Bill Macy passed away at 97. He is often confused with William H. Macy, right? who is the actor in Fargo and Boogie Nights and a lot of things. Who And he's married to Felicity Huffman. And spending a fair amount of time yeah. visiting his wife in prison. In, right? in the jailhouse <laughs> now. What else you got? Can you guess the three biggest movies 
of the season so far, or released uh, of the last uh, of the autumn season, the three biggest movies at the uh, theater. I got to say, Judy's probably one of them. Uh, no, <laughs> Judy is not one of them. Oh, it's I... on the top 10 mm. uh, during the week. The uh, biggest movie of the season is Joker. Oh, of course. $247 million uh, three weeks ago. Second biggest is It Chapter 2, way over $200 million, and it's been open seven weeks. And the third most popular movie of the autumn season is Downton Abbey. No which kidding. Which has made almost $100 million over the past five weeks. Are you surprised by the Downton Abbey numbers? Uh, I shouldn't be because that appeals to a niche audience. And, um, you know, I think people are going to see Downton Abbey who wouldn't go to see It Chapter 2 or, or a Joker. Joker. Yeah, no so, uh, so that's what we have. So it's beginning to feel like Halloween, don't you think? I let's, think so. Let's cue the music. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year if you're a vampire. And having said that, let's bring in our favorite vampire, uh, some people call him Mr. Dick Dizel, but I think he's best known as Count Gore Duvall on his way to Washington to host a special edition of The Exorcist Saturday night at the American Film Institute. Hello, Count Gore. Good morning. <laughs> Which is something a vampire should never say. <laughs> Hope we didn't wake you up from your dirt nap, Count. <laughs> dirt nap. <laughs> oh, I was just hiding here in the coffin, you know, kind of waiting. Oh, Actually, I was, I, I was, I was enjoying the uh, the organ concert at the National Cathedral where they played. Oh, <sighs> take me out to the ball game. Oh no, no, no! They they played uh, Baby Shark. <laughs> I just posted oh my it on God. Facebook. <laughs> okay, well here we go. We're going to start it. Thanks for doing this, Count. And when is when is the movie? Saturday night at seven thirty. At the AFI. At the AFI, yes. And is it a special version of The Exorcist? Yes, this is the uh, this is the two thousand re-edit. This is the it's about ten minutes longer. They put in the uh, infamous uh, spider walk where the child walks down the steps upside oh, down. Great. And they, great. And they added in uh, a bunch of other stuff that uh, Friedkin cut out that Blatty wanted in, and they didn't talk for decades about that. But wow. they, kind of, they kind of made amends in 2000 for this one. Wow. Okay, well, here we go. Here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year if you're a vampire. And having said that, let's bring in our favorite vampire. Uh, some people call him Mr. Dick Dizel, but I think he's best known as Count Gore Duvall on his way to Washington to host a special edition of The Exorcist Saturday night at the American Film Institute. Hello, Count Gore. <laughs> Greetings, Arch. It's so good to talk to you, and I'm so excited about this. This is just incredible. I mean, I went on. I was so excited about this. Yes. I went online and I tried to find out all sorts of information about this this movie, and and there's so much out there. It made my 
head spin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't. I think I just woke you up from a dirt nap. <laughs> you, you've got a real thing going with the AFI. You're now appearing there, what, three or four times a year? Yeah, three, t- three times a year now. Since, uh, since 2013. <laughs> and you, you fill the big theater at the AFI, and the times I've been over there with you, it's just it's just the most fun you can have with your clothes on. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> you're up. So you're going to show the director's recut of The Exorcist Saturday night at 7.30 at the AFI, and tell me about what what do they add to The Exorcist that we haven't seen before? Okay, let me a little background. Right before they released the original Exorcist, uh, Warner Brothers went to William Friedkin, the director, and said, you know, it's a little bit long. A couple scenes in there need to be taken out. So he went in and cut them out. But these happen to be uh, William uh, Peter Blatty's favorite scenes. And he was the writer. So uh, he got really upset, and he didn't talk to Friedkin for uh, decades. Mm. So 2000 comes along, and Warner Brothers says, hey, we want to re-release this. We're going to make it uh, new prints, and we'd like to have some extra footage. So Freakland said, well, you know, we, had, we shot this thing called the Spider Walk. This is where <laughs> little Reagan comes down the stairs upside down. I mean, she's, she's, and it's really freaky looking. And they took, didn't put it in for two reasons. One, because it was freaky looking, and two... <laughs> <laughs> because back in the 70s, they couldn't figure out how to get rid of the wires that were holding her up. Mm. So he said, well, in 2000, we can digitally remove them. So they said, put that in. And then they said, well, we need a little bit more. So he went and he made made nice with with Blatty and said, hey, come on over here. We'll put those pieces back in. So so they went in and edited some, some of that back in. Yeah, there's a little more background story stuff. That's about 10 minutes longer. Let's fix it. They did all that. Warner Brothers was happy. Friedkin was happy. Blatty was happy. The audience was happy. Now that's what I call the art of the perfect deal. I uh, remember seeing The Exorcist when it came out in 1973. And for that time, it pushed horror films uh, way forward. I don't think people can really understand, unless they were there, the impact The Exorcist had when it first came out. It And it still scares the bejesus out of me. You know, the thing is, it was really based on a real story. Yeah. There was a 1949, there was an exorcism in Maryland. And this was, they changed the sex. It was a boy instead of a girl. But uh, it was based on on that true story. I hope it wasn't in an underground bunker deep beneath Bethesda, Maryland. Say say it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what's so cool about showing this in Washington is, We've got the exorcist steps right there in Georgetown. Yes. And, you know, the poor people that leave it, live in that house up there on the top of the steps had to erect a giant brick wall because so many people come by and want to take a look at it or go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> there used to be an exorcist tour. or there, certainly, there was a Georgetown film tour and the exorcist house was on it. But the steps continue to creep me out. I interviewed Linda Blair one time on the steps of The Exorcist. She could not have been nicer, and she let me try to um, uh, twist her head 360 degrees. (laughs) How how did that go for you, Art? (laughs) Or her? Yeah. Seven years later, I was okay. 
Well, uh, Count, since you are here, and, you know, since this is our podcast, and we are plugging your appearance at the American Film Institute, the American Film Exorcist, Saturday at 730, uh, since you are are with us, we have prepared for you a special edition of Ask Arch. So if you will uh, listen in, we'll see if you can answer the questions that have been sent to us. And so, Lou, take it away. Okay, we have our very first question there, Count. Yep. Who have we heard from, Well, Lou? we have heard from A. Kornheiser. A. Kornheiser. The initial A. Kornheiser. He wrote in. Where is he living now? At, uh, at Comb Over Beach, Delaware. <laughs> Comb Over Beach? That's that little strand yeah, that was... of beach. <laughs> Over there on the Del Marva, All just right. a little strand. All right, there, Come Count. Over beach. And yes, A. Kornheiser asks the yes. following: Yes, why should I hire an exorcist? Why should I hire an exorcist, Count? Do you have any idea? Uh, why should you hire an exorcist? Gosh, I mean, you, to to uh, to uh, to, to uh, get rid of your demons. Well, that's close. The answer is you should hire an exorcist. To get the hell out of there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that one Saturday, by the way, yes. But I want to tell you. Bada bing. Uh, we, do we have another we, we, uh, we, 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 actually, we actually have a couple more for, for you, Count. For Count Gore. This one is from uh, Latanya Horn of Let's, Arlington, Virginia. Uh, Latanya Horn. I remember her well. Do you remember her, Count Gore? Uh, no. She used to produce... That show when you would come over to Channel Eight and bite people in the in the hallway. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. You remember, I remember that show, that little show that yeah okay. Here, here we go. Are you ready? Yes. What happens if you don't pay your exorcist? What happens if you don't pay your? You get repossessed. Yes, your house gets repossessed. <laughs> All right. Very good, Count. That's one out of two for you. We got one more, and this is uh, from an Andy Poland. Oh, Andy Poland. He's been writing in a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Where is Andy a- living Andy now? lives on the left-hand side of the AM dial that nobody listens to. <laughs> the AM radio dial? Is AM, that where he man. is? Thanks, Andy, Andy Poland. Love him. Love All right, him. and Andy writes, yes. The Exorcist movie has always confused me. Hmm. Does it confuse you? Does it confuse? Does the Exorcist movie confuse you, Count? No. Well, <laughs> it makes my head spin. <laughs> it makes my head spin. Oh. Oh my God. Hey, Count. By the way, I understand you're going to do a little stand-up act uh, at the AFI Saturday. I'm on both of my feet. I'm going to stand right up in front of the audience, and I'm going to do a, a monologue. Actually, I'm going to stand on one foot and do a monologue rather than a bilogue. You've got a little comedy set you're going to do? Yeah, well, we always we, we, we try that. You know, we'll see what happens. You, can you reveal any of the uh, bits to us? Actually, I already did one. <laughs> right. Well, you can have these, too. I'm going to take them. Yes, I'm going to use, of course, you, you, you realize, you know, you realize that a vampire's favorite fruit is, don't you? What's that? A nectarine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Get out of here, will you? One more. This, 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 is, this is a goodie. This is a goodie. You know, it, it, it happened to me not too long ago that this woman goes, oh, my goodness, 
I've turned into a vampire, and you didn't even bite me yet. <laughs> you know what they call that? What's that? That's called premature ejaculation. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> God. Please Wait, stop. Oh, jeez. He's our dear friend. Ladies and gentlemen, right. give it up for him. You know him. You love him. Put it together for him. Count Gordeval coming to Washington. We'll see you all Saturday night at the AFI. 7.30. Be there or be square. Count, thanks so much. Thank you much, Arch. Thank you, Lou. Have a good one. Have a happy Halloween. Always love when he's uh, on the air. He's great. Lou, it's always great being on the podcast with you, and we'll be back next week. Quickly, I want to thank Susan Wazena of GoldDerby.com, and uh, watch her site if you track uh, award season for films. And, of course, uh, The Count will be at the AFI Silver Spring Big Theater uh, Saturday night, 7.30, with uh, the extended version of The Exorcist. That should be cool. And uh, it's always great talking to you, Lou. Always a pleasure. Love it, love it. I'm Arch Campbell. I hope you see something good at the movies. What's your final word, Louie? I'm I'm thinking baseball with the World Series. Absolutely. And we cannot wrap up this podcast (laughs) without a little baseball music. Exactly. And when I'm thinking of baseball, whether it's spring training in the middle of the season or World Series, this song comes to mind. It wasn't a big hit, but John Fogarty, lead singer of Creedence Clearwater Revival, put it out, and I think it's quite appropriate to play Center Field. (laughs) You're out!
At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands comes to you by way of the Katz Podcasting System. Katz, America's number one name in delicatessens, Broadway musicals, and podcasting.